this is Sammy. We've talked before. We're usually about nerdy things. I remember well. We talked Lord of the Rings. We've yes. talked. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, science, science fiction. Mm-hmm. So one nerd to another. Yes, indeed. You know, nerds unite. Yo, welcome to my summer layer. I'm your host Sammy. I'm more fun than a blank check. You name. Looking back, I honestly. I, I don't know how David Bowie reinvented himself so effortlessly. How do you go one random Monday morning saying, Hey guys, I'm Z Sardas. Call me Z Sardas from now on. To Friday morning saying, Hey guys, I'm the Thin White Duke. How do you do that? I mean, it's it's more <laughs> complicated to be factor. He was born David Robert Jones. And the whole David Bowie thing was also a mask and a character. Anyways, my point is, I, I don't know why as an audience we eagerly accepted those changes and those characters. We took all of that at face value. All right, that makes sense. Then why Duke? All right, I'm going to go make a sandwich now. M- maybe it was strange when it was happening in real time, but nobody's phased by this anymore. I know now nobody's phased by U2 and Octon Baby and the Black Leather and Zoo TV, but at the time... At that time, it was hard to square that multimedia spectacle with the Joshua Tree Circle. Somewhere along the way, reinvention became a vital element of rock and roll. Elvis. Elvis with the 68 comeback special and those Vegas bedazzled outfits. The Sam Roberts band didn't opt for bedazzled outfits with capes, sadly so. Instead, they reached for a blank page. Their eighth album is The Adventures of Ben Blank. And as you'll hear with the opening song, The Ballad of Ben Blank, Ben Blank is quite the character. He's a uh, Bob Dylan rascal hitting the wide open Bruce Springsteen road. Ben Blank as an avatar has allowed the Sam Roberts band to be reborn, which is a gift. There's a profound, profound freedom that comes with being reborn. Sam Roberts and I unpacked that. This is my third my summer layer conversation with Sam Roberts. It starts off nerdy because we are nerds. But within those nerd leanings are the seeds of creativity, which blooms into the fruit of hope. Sam Roberts has things to say. Just as you go to a concert, he will use a mic to broadcast those emotions. Ben Blank works like a mic. He's a tool to broadcast what Sam Roberts is struggling to express. Only Ben Blank isn't a mic. He's a mask. And this is what Sam Roberts has to say about all of that. Sound, the final frontier. My Summer Lair is an enterprise, a pop culture voyage with a continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new creators and celebrate established producers, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now here is your host, Sammy Yunan. I'm on to naval historical fiction now. How about you? Oh, wow. What do you mean by naval historical fiction? Like, what are you reading? Like, or? Patrick O'Brien. Right now, I'm reading a book called The Wager by mm-hmm. uh, David Grant, uh, all about sort of um, sort of an ill-fated ship voyage around uh, the South America, you know, the, the treacherous seas in the Southern Ocean. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a shipwreck that happened off the coast of Chilean Patagonia and what happened to the survivors in the mid-1700s. So, oh. 
Yeah, that's heavy, nerdy stuff. Yeah, man. yeah. Do you have a theory of what happened to the survivors? Like, well, they they kind of know. Actually, one of the so I'm only halfway through, so I don't mm -hmm. really know. But basically, things go wrong, mm -hmm. very wrong, yeah. very very wrong. They always they're do. In the process, they're in the process of building a sort of makeshift colony there right now to try to survive the elements because the ship is just wrecked on the rocks mm -hmm. right now, and the captain is dealing with you know disgruntled uh hungry sailors who are you know on the verge of some kind of mutiny right now oh mutiny so. and shipwrecks and like it sounds fun i mean it's just that's a party get any better than that does yeah. it get any better you know uh, i've actually departed from fiction for a little bit i'm reading a uh non-fiction book it's the origin story of the marvel cinematic universe so wow, they they've interviewed all kinds of the writers directors producers like how they make this like giant thing like move and like orchestrate mm -hmm. it in the world so wow yeah. that is nerdy that is very nerdy yeah so it's nerdy behind the scenes i guess so like you know what it's, I mean? but it's kind of weird because it's different it's like that's like billions of dollar nerdy that's where nerd nerdism manifests itself in like a juggernaut film empire mm -hmm. whereas i i feel like naval historical nonfiction in the naval realm has a very limited uh, fan base <laughs> and therefore the financial potential is maybe a lot less than the Marvel Marvel Universe. Yeah, way. well, I mean, like, I can only think of something like, what is that, uh, what was that Commander show with Russell Crowe? Oh, Master and Commander. Master and Commander, something like that. Like, there isn't a lot of stuff, like, that's barely even part of that genre, you know what I mean? Like, there isn't a lot of... Well, that's a Patrick, that's based on Patrick O'Brien, mm -hmm. who wrote, I think, 20 books about that same character, Captain Jack Aubrey. And he... That movie was so good. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they never made a sequel for us. Yeah. Maybe not for everybody. Mm -hmm. But for us, the people who want to know what happens to Captain Jack next. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was a blow. I'm still waiting for the. I'm still waiting for it. Yeah, we we really got to talk about your album, but it's also reminds yes. me of uh, <laughs> the Chronicles of Narnia. They've tried a couple of times to make those books and to adapt those books, yeah. and they go about two or three movies in, and they kind of stop or whatever. And I think Disney's trying to re resurrect them again, and I think that would be like a good like if you do a good job with it, that would hit the kids especially, like kind of open their eyes to some fantasy, a little bit of fun, and some more nerds. Well, I think, and again, not to talk, not to get on too much about that, but I think the problem with the Narnia series is that the first few books are very child, mm -hmm. uh, sort of, you know, friendly that way. And as it goes on, the books become more and more sort of uh, confusing as to how they all relate to each other, and the sort of the thread is lost yeah. between the original kind of you know the original kids from *Line the Witch and the Wardrobe*. By the time you get to the silver chair and all that stuff, you've kind of lost the thread of how that all joins together. So I think that's when, you know, the big film, they usually jump ship at that point. Makes anyway, sense. Anyway, enough about, you know, that's yeah, my yeah. theory. Let's talk about what you're working on, uh, what you've already worked on. So for your album, I guess the best way to describe it, like Ben Blank, uh, the album's called The Adventures of Ben Blank. But Ben mm -hmm. Blank is basically an avatar. Is that the best way to frame it? I think so, yeah. It's interesting because, like... Bruce Wayne is Batman. You know this as a nerd, right? Mm -hmm. So Bruce Wayne is a billionaire. So the way you would interview him, if you had a chance to sit down and talk to him, is completely different than the way you would interview Batman. You know what I mean? They have mm -hmm. different experiences. They have mm -hmm. uh, different... You would you have different questions for both of them. So in a sense, they're two different characters within the same person, Bruce Wayne and mm -hmm. Batman. Avatar 
is a fancy pants words, but is Ben Blank in a sense your secret identity? No, I think it's just a. a if you were to look at the difference between myself mm-hmm. and and Ben Blank, I have, um, I have a past. I have a history mm-hmm. that I'm still very much attached to, and that def- that informs or determines what my present is like to some degree, and also how I. As much as I want to think of the, of the future as being wide open, to think that my past doesn't play a role in how that future uh, looks through my eyes, mm-hmm. um, well, it does. Whereas for Ben Blank, he's made a commitment to erase that past as much as it's ever possible to do that, but to, to wipe the slate clean, hence, hence his name. Yeah. So his version of the future looks very different from what mine does. And when you say you have a past, you uh, obviously you as a person, Sam Roberts, you have a past. But are you also mm-hmm. talking about you as the Sam Roberts band? Because this is your eighth full all of length it. album, right? So, yeah, all of it, exactly right. It can be, and that's why I think you know the idea can apply to anybody. It's not just me. It's not my avatar necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea that everybody has a past, and you have a past in relation to your, to your, to the people in your life. You have a past in terms of you know your your working life. Um, you're towards yourself, how you felt about yourself and how that changes and how you identify in your own life over, over time. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have that to some degree. And for sure myself, like to, to try to separate my life from my band, the band that I played in since I was in high school is, is, is impossible for me right now. But, and that, that's a great thing in certain respects. There's a lot of comfort that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I have this, this beautiful thing that I can, keep building and working on and, and that I can depend on and it helps to give me a sense of purpose in my life and, and meaning. But it it also colors like how I see what's ahead of me because mm-hmm. it's always seen through the lens of that band. So in a sense, it opens possibilities, but it also closes doors. And that's what I'm, I'm just like, what if at this point in my life, you know, just wiped it all clean? Blank page. What if it was all just- like totally blank page, mm-hmm. and then how would I how would I see what's ahead of me? I wouldn't be thinking about what's behind me anymore. Wouldn't be thinking of my band on tour twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just looking ahead. It's like okay, what 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 do I make of this now? So that that's that was the you know I guess the inspiration for what this record was. Yeah, about blank pages can be so inspiring because it can be anything. It could be a song. It could be a sci-fi novel. Like you could be a drawing. Yeah. Like you can do anything with a blank page. I I know sometimes people find it crippling or they have writer's block or whatever it may be. But I'm like I've always found the blank page to be inspiring because you can do, literally do anything with a blank page. Well, I I agree with you. It's just, but I also agree with the fact that it can be terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know. Because I have to fill this in now. What do I do? Where do I start? What's the first word that I'm going to write? What's the first note that I'm going to write in a song? And I wanted this record to acknowledge that both things. It's all the possibility. It's the excitement that goes with it. But there's also the the fear and the trepidation that goes with not having a plan anymore. And not having this, this sort of, uh, you know direction to, to follow. Because your past gives... To, it, History gives you a direction in a way. You can either break from it or you can move with, you know, the, the general flow. But it's sort of pointing you in some ways. So when you're now, as you say, looking at a blank page, it's like, okay, well, what do I do with this? And I wanted there to be this feeling of 
not knowing mm-hmm. and that be, and that being okay, you know? In a weird way, what you're talking about, at least to me, the analogy is like that first day you, your parents drop you off at university and you're in the dorm, yeah. right? And now you're on your own for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And you, it's up to you to figure out how to like make dinner or eat dinner. Yeah. <laughs> it's, figure, it's up to you to figure out how to do laundry or whatever it may be. Like you're now completely on your own. And so you have this huge potential because you're in university. So you have four years, you're going to graduate and you're going to become somebody, a, a citizen. But at the same time, you have to figure now all these things out, all these rules. And maybe your parents' rules don't make sense now. Like maybe you do want to stay up late. Yeah, they don't apply in this, in this like the, 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 the sort of, the rules of this universe that you're in now are different. <laughs> yes. You know, you, you play, you're, you're in a different, it's a different playbook altogether. I, I mean, I ate 99 cent pizza for four years. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> who, who would think that a body could, a human body could exist <laughs> off of those ingredients, but you can. That might be a Guinness World Record. You might have to check into that. I know. That. Just what happened. Mm-hmm. And when when I interviewed you for all of us, that was released during mm-hmm. the pandemic year in 2020. But yeah. you said to me, I'm trying to see life through different lenses. I feel like the last six months, you're in over your head all the time. So you have to do astral traveling instead of physically traveling, being able to get out there and see it for yourself. So does this Ben Blank avatar, in a sense, give you that same kind of freedom to do like an astral road trip, like at least emotionally for this album? I think in a way, but it's also, I think there's a sense of responsibility that, for me anyway, that you kind of have to live it too, that it can't just be an act of imagination. You know, when we were talking on that last record, I was sitting in this room. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I had to see the world outside from 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 these four walls, and to write my way into it in in music, in a way, it was like yeah, like just sort of like an outer outer out of body experience. Whereas this is more of a this is more of like a test. It's more of an exercise. Can I can I do can I live this idea or at least some of the idea of you know the blank slate? But actually take that lesson out into the world and actually feel what it feels like, not just sort of, you know, conjure up an image of what that might feel like. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that there's a, and that's kind of representative of, you know, a lot of ways of what, you know, post-pandemic living is like. It's like, oh, we can't just talk about this anymore. We actually have to go out and, and do it and feel it. And yeah. Um, it kind Again, of, it allowed us not to take things for granted anymore, right? You recognize what you had yeah. lost, right? So you can mm-hmm. kind of go back out there and like embrace life in a different yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. So now, now we're we can't just you know sit on our horse and mm-hmm. think about. It. We actually have to go and and live it. So, in terms of this idea of going out there and living it, you and the band you recorded Chemical City in a converted church in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. Collider was recorded in Engine, St- Engine Studios in Chicago. Uh, Terraform was recorded at the Tragically Hips uh, Six Acre uh, Boathouse Studio. That's pretty cool. Um, the Adventures of Ben Blank was recorded in Toronto. Does the location ever influence the writing and the music? Like, can you hear Australia in Chemical City or Chicago in Collider? Yeah. For sure. You know, there are parts of Chemical City, actually. Is, I think there's one track where you can literally hear Australia, you know, like, uh, it was, I think it's on B side actually. We put it out on a, an extended version of the record where we just go out with a microphone at night and just record the sounds of the birds and the, and the insects in the, uh, you know, in mm-hmm. the yard around the church. So it's, 
in some sense, yeah, there's, it's, it's unavoidable that the place that you make a record, you know, it's going to find its way into it mm-hmm. at, you know, in Chicago, like there's just this, there's this rhythm to life in Chicago and we spent a couple of months there and eventually you kind of start to, you start to move to that, that pace mm-hmm. and then your thinking goes to that pace. So, you know, it doesn't have to sound exactly like, you know, mm-hmm. what is the Chicago sound in music, but there's, there's for sure the, the, the sort of, yeah, the rhythm of life in all these different places finds its way into, into the record. Uh, Toronto has its own, its own pace, its own beat to it, but it's also, it's different for us in the sense that we're not escaping to the other side of the world to go and make a record where we're, where you don't have like your manager in the same town and your record company in the same town. And, you know, so in going to Toronto, it's kind of like you're going into the lion's den, <laughs> you know, it's not an escape. You're yeah. actually like going in, you're going in there, but, uh, I think we went into the rec- to this record just sort of with a very clear idea of what it was supposed to sound, feel and sound like. So it really became about, let's go into a studio where uh, we can execute this, you know, this recording process the way we w- want to. Instead That's of, a very Toronto vibe, though. Yeah, instead of trying to go and seek out an, an exotic locale. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, too, we're just not in that place right now because we didn't work enough for three years to be able to afford to go and, you know, mm-hmm. post up in some treehouse studio in Borneo. It's mm-hmm. just not there. And that's, it, it's almost like it belongs to a different world in, in you know, in, in terms of the music business, especially like the money that used to be there for these kinds of, you know, outlandish recording projects. What I need as an artist to go and <laughs> fulfill my vision. Like yeah. that's, that's not like that anymore. Now it's like, you know, a lot of stuff's done at home. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of stuff's done on your laptop at home because because musicians are just uh, have a hard enough time making ends meet. So you know, we have we had to also just realize that we're still in a very fortunate position in that we can go out and make a record, but we have to be a bit smart about how we how we yeah. go about doing. Sometimes the studio, it's what like you and I were saying about the blank page. Sometimes the studio can be a very sterile place. It can be a little intimidating for bands. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you go in there sometimes and you only have like half-formed songs or a couple of notes ideas on a page. Like, you know what I mean? Like it can be daunting to suddenly like come up with quote-unquote a hit or something, right? But other yeah. times... Yeah, we don't, we don't work like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, not that way. We don't, you know... And they're, they're, you're, you're absolutely right. Like a band will show up, it's like, oh, I have this idea and it's a bit of a thing. And then the producer has to step in and like extract a song from from that in some ways or help the band to see the song that they don't see on their own and that can take up you know and being in the studio when you're in that you know in that mode can be very very difficult um we went in with like we knew what we were we knew what we wanted the song to feel like we knew what we wanted it to sound like it was just a case of getting the right performances and the right feeling and and playing it the way that you want to play it and having it feel the way you want to feel which in some ways is a bit of a luxury you know Mm -hmm. that you're you're quote unquote ready and now you're just going to go and unearth the version of it that you want to be the one that other people hear. So, yeah, I mean, we were at giant studio in, uh, in Toronto, anything but sterile, sterile. It's small, but it's got a really, you know, it's one of those places where you you walk in the front door and you don't feel like you're in this big, like a NASA, Mm -hmm. 
you know, control center. You feel like you're in a place that you, you know, you're going to enjoy spending the next 10 or 12 hours that day, you know, hammering out a song. But that intimacy extends to the music as well, because this is an intimate record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard to make an intimate record. Like when you say when you're in this sort of very pristine environment sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's up to you to kind of identify like where, where's the right place for this. And had we gone in there and, and, the, and recorded three songs and said, oh, this isn't feeling right. Well, we had to change. We were making all of us. We made the first half of the record in, in a studio in Montreal. And then the last one, we were like, we need to go out to the woods. And we mm-hmm. went out to the woods and we, you know, found a studio hours away from civilization, so to speak. And, and made a record that made, and finished the record there and gave it a little bit of that spirit of wildness and that we wanted it to have. So mm-hmm. you, yeah, you're not wrong in, in that the environment has, it plays such a huge role in, it plays a huge role in, not because of the machinery in it or the gear they're using, but it's the mindset that it puts the band in. Like you said, like Toronto, like you were very focused and that's a very Toronto vibe. Whereas like when you go to Vancouver, they tend to be a little bit more laid back. I know these are generalizations, right? Yeah. And Montreal can be a little bit more fun. Like every city, for example, like in Chicago, like you said, has this rhythm. These cities all have these different vibes, right? Yeah. And so if, and you, it's can, almost like, if you can tap into sorry. the vibe, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's, if you spend enough time there, it's like you can't can't help it mm-hmm. like australia australia was a hard place for us to make a record because man there's like you just want to go to the beach all day yeah <laughs> i could imagine the last thing we wanted to, and we did mm-hmm. you know we wake up in the morning we'd spend we'd, we'd come back at the, from the beach at noon or one o'clock and we'd only start recording at two in the afternoon meanwhile anybody who's been on the beach for six hours is like knows what it's like you all you want to come do is come home eat lunch and fall asleep yeah, you know that's it yeah so that we have to like wake our we had to wake ourselves up. Now we're only starting, you know, making mm-hmm. music at five o'clock in the afternoon kind of thing. So there's yeah. a very different kind of rhythm to mm-hmm. what we're what we're doing.
and this idea too like you said you're talking about your adventures in australia like the video for projection it features current sam roberts right standing or singing in front of a projection of old school sam roberts right there's lots of highlights and flashbacks of your mostly public life uh when you saw the footage do you recognize old school sam roberts do you like how how do you feel about that guy with the long hair and the beard uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to uh, it's not hard to relate. I think in some ways it's hard for me to reconnect with the feeling like what it felt like to be in those in that place in that time because it was a lot more intense in 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 terms of everything. Just where we like the space we occupied in the sort of public eye was maybe more a lot you know greater than what we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the uh, everything that goes with that, int- including how do you manage the expectation to to perform up to that, you know? Uh, and then how do you how do you manage the sort of creative side? And this was always the, the the big issue. This is what more than anything, this is what I remember wrestling with in those early days. It's like uh, this idea that if I don't if I don't dig my heels in right now, then I'm going to lose control over the one thing in all of this that means anything to me, which is how I, how and what I write songs about. Mm-hmm. And that just felt like too much of a sacrifice to make in those days, even in those early days. Um, it's like if you, lose, if you lose your grip on that, you'll, it's really hard to get it back. And so when I look back on that, that's, that's the struggle that I see, you know, through the hair and the beard and... Mm-hmm. And, and all of that. I mean, there was a great deal of excitement too, you know, and there was just incredible energy around everything that happened every day and including not just for us, but the people in our lives, like the people closest to us were all living this thing with us in a lot of ways. Um, but you're, so you're building a life that. though. Like when, when a band yeah. comes out with that first album, like it's like a wedding, right? Like you've set up yeah. a whole new life uh, with the fans Right, and you keep having more albums. Like you, it matters so much those first couple albums because, like, you are setting up this entire new life, and like we're putting everybody on notice. This is what we do. This is how we sound. Right? You want to sign up for this? Yeah, totally. You're, you know, you're really you've got like your, you've got your sort of lights flashing in all directions. You know, like, hey, look at us. Mm -hmm. I think, think so much of everything has been like since then in a lot of ways. It's like. Don't look at us. Just listen to what we do, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I think that that's sort of been part of the process in, in all of this. Is as much as you're still in the public eye, and as much as you still get up on stage under the under the bright lights and play music, there's been this slow erasing of that um, the idea of the sort of the public figure in some way. Uh, and I'm not naive enough to think that. Uh, you know, it doesn't require some kind of public notoriety in order to even just remind people that you exist mm-hmm. and to give the music that you make, a, you know, an opportunity to be heard by an audience. But I think in general, since those days, yeah, there's just been this, you know, kind of backing away from from that uh, in favor of playing the way we want to play and making the music that we want to make. And we 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 benefit from that and we also you know there's 
we're, we also sort of suffer from from those decisions in, in some ways. So, but that's just we're we're very much all right with that. Yeah, because I want to continue on that thread because projection has a vibe of like it's almost like your life is flashing before your eyes, right? Before you perish, kind of vibe, right? Just the way the, <laughs> the images flicker. But on afterlife, which is a banger, I agree with Lana Gay over at Indie Eighty Eight uh, Radio DJ when she says it's the, one of the best songs on the album. I agree with her. Um, you're also clear, like, don't talk to me about the afterlife. Like, to me, the uh, adventures of Ben Blank is kind of a, a unique tension because you're trying to be open and vulnerable and you're trying to, like, have an open house for your heart. But at the same time, you're kind of wrestling with some of the topics that you want to share, the things you want to share. Yeah, I think that's, it can never just be one thing. And as and as vulnerable and open as you want to be with the way, you, you know, your feelings and and your life, the way you see it, there's still those. It doesn't mean you don't also have those those moments of sort of saying like, "I just want to get out there under the big open sky and just live and not think about anything at all right now and just feel it all and take it all in and and live for the moment." And I think that that, like you said, I think you used the word perfect word tension. That tension exists in life mm-hmm. uh, at every turn and. It's okay to acknowledge the fact that there are these wild swings in in what we're feeling from when you know, and sometimes, like in music, sometimes you're in this very sort of uh, small space, intimate space in terms of, um, yeah, making everything quiet around you so that you can feel the way you want to, what you need to feel or or express it in some way. And sometimes it's all just loud and you know, big. F you to everything and, you know, mm-hmm. just go and go out, you know, guns blazing. And <laughs> I definitely have swings mm-hmm. to both both ends of that spectrum. And that's, uh, well, it's part of being alive, but it's also like when you're writing songs, you gotta you got to be able to capture both of those things. Was Ben Blank helping you in terms of an avatar to ease some of that tension and to be able to say certain things? That you may not may not have felt comfortable saying on previous records, for sure. I mean, there's no question that if you're lucky enough to have an outlet like this, mm-hmm. that you can, as much as you want to think as you get older that you you're just oh I don't need to hide anymore. I don't need a buffer anymore. It's I still find even now that I you know it, you need just like a thin layer of. Of something between you and what you really feel, and how you you know, mm-hmm. even if it's just deflect deflecting it a little bit through a character or you know a, a different sort of persona, or yeah. even in songs, you know, you can write a you can write a an upbeat song that seems really happy and sunny and shiny on the outside, mm-hmm. and it can be about something very profound and very personal re- in reality, and. Uh, yeah, even a song like Afterlife can be heard like that too. I think um, uh, there's a there's a sort of struggle for for just taking control of your own life and destiny in that song. That's still very real. Mm-hmm. It might feel rock and roll and like cut it off jean shirt, you know, but yeah. it's still got uh, you know. I think there's something like human in that and, and vulnerable in that in a, in a way too. It you, does have a lot you, of heart. Yeah, yeah, you can't shy away from that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And that's what you learn over time. I feel like don't don't shy away from 
expressing that. But it doesn't mean that I don't still need a buffer from time to time, you know. Mm -hmm. What you're talking about reminds me of uh, Bruce Springsteen's Tunnel of Love because he had a monster hit with Born in the USA and uh, obviously there was a lot of characters. He never fought in Vietnam, but Born in the USA, the song itself was like about a guy who went to Vietnam, things like that. And then with Tunnel of Love, Bruce then decided to start writing about himself and it was his, <laughs> it was, his marriage was breaking up and so he was writing about love gone wrong and divorce and things like that. It was a very intimate album, just to go back to that term intimacy again. You know, and Bruce is obviously really great at writing those songs about characters and like yeah. driving in America and like, you know, all these things. Right. But like just every now and then to turn and start writing about himself, I thought was kind of like that was a really brave choice, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And that's where the depth of his career is is sort of made uh, sort of. uh is in is in full view to anybody who listens to it. It's like you have to be brave like that, you know, mm-hmm. with your with your choices. And I think even in his character writing, there's again anybody who writes through characters, there's still something of how they feel about America or the light or mm-hmm. life or the world, even if that's about somebody who's not them specifically. If it's about a you know a guy who went to Vietnam and came back and is trying to rediscover himself, there's still how Bruce Springsteen feels about the world in that person. And there's commentary. There's only, yeah. And not just commentary, but even feeling, you know, mm-hmm. just in the, what in the words that you choose, the imagery that you choose, it shows something. It's a revelation of what you think in some ways, like what's important to you because you're assigning that importance to this character, but really it's what you've identified. Mm-hmm. So as much as, as much as you can say, this is said through the eyes of this persona or this, you know, avatar, it's still you're choosing the words, you're choosing the scenario, you're choosing. So there is, there is revelation of your own self in that, no matter what you do. So a character is not a foolproof way of, you know, deflecting attention away from the way you're feeling. In fact, it's just as revelatory in in a lot of ways. It's just, yeah, it's just a different method of delivery, really. A sleight of hand, almost. Yeah, I mean, you're still you. Mm-hmm. So. What have you learned about reinvention? Like, would it be possible for you to even deliver a TED Talk on reinvention? This is kind of like a theme that runs through this album, right? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if I could do a TED Talk. <laughs> how, long's a t- how long's a TED Talk? Uh, 10 or 15 minutes, like a really tight okay. 10 or 15 minutes. I could probably do a tight seven, so I'm still lacking. I'd have to change the subject. Yeah, you could just finish it off with a song at the end. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I don't know, you know, I mean, it's like, I think that the idea of reinvention is fascinating in a way, and it's, com- it's, a, it's a compelling thing, but do we, are, do we ever really do that? I think there's, there's too much continuity in our lives to say like, okay, at this point, there was a fracture, mm-hmm. and then like a chasm opened between the old self and the new self. And this new self is so completely other than the old self that this is a true reinvention. There's always a thread Mm-hmm. there you know i mean that's what makes ben blank uh uh compelling for me as a as a vehicle because he actually went in there somehow and just like erased it all mm-hmm. you know and now it's like okay i'm gonna go out in the world and f- see what love feels like for the first time i'm gonna go f- feel what all this and and really deal with this like in the you know in a new way 
And then, then again, maybe he only thinks that he did that. Maybe he only thinks that he wiped his slate clean. Maybe there's still residue and you know from from his old self. Maybe it's just not possible. Maybe it's not even desirable. And these are all the sort of questions that kind of keep popping in when he's talking about reinvention. He does, maybe it's just re. He does offer like words of like caution, like in the opening song, like he says things like, "I've been told I'm just a masterpiece faker." Yeah. Right. Like so, as much as he's like, he's like you said, a cool guy and like an anti-hero or maybe a hero, because uh, the album is called "The Adventures" uh, of Ben Blank. Yeah. Right. So he's obviously doing stuff. He's getting out there and, like you said, living life and doing things. But at the same time, he's a bit of a cautionary tale as well, and that's reflected sure. in the song. Like some of the the lines kind of undercut his value of who he is. Yeah. Every every fourth line or so, you know, it's sort of like he he remi- he's reminded that like it's not all chest pounding bravado that mm-hmm. there's you know and that's the impetus for for why he, you know in that one scene he kind of goes into the river and leaves his name in his face and and everything and his and walks off into the into the you know mm-hmm. towards the horizon as this new unshackled person which brings us back to freedom again yeah yeah i mean that that was his freedom but again freedom can be a scary thing because you've You've got to fill in the space, and you can't predict how that's going to make you feel. So, it's it's a nice, it's an intoxicating idea, but the reality can be very different that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, you're running back to the comfort of your <laughs> of your old life, you know, and what you know. For you, as someone who reads a lot of science fiction, like, and you have nerd leanings. Do you read? Do you read? I guess I can't think of a better way to phrase it. But do you read to like? It's absolutely true. Uh, do you read science fiction generally to like reaffirm your faith and your hope, and even celebrate that freedom? Because sometimes there's a lot of like those are themes that run through science fiction. Or is it, are you reading sometimes just to confirm that we're all doomed? Like this is like a dystopian, and we're all just hurtling towards death and destruction. You know what I mean? Because no, science I fiction def- kind of carries both of those. Yeah, I definitely lean towards the first, the former, you know. Mm-hmm. The faith and hope and the freedom? Yeah. I, what I find interesting about it as a genre is just sort of, uh, and, and the good science fiction, the science fiction that I really like is always sort of, it's like near science fiction. It's like near future science fiction kind of thing, like where it's it's the world that we live in, but just slightly shifted, a slightly just, or like introducing a few new elements that sort of see, are so possible. Mm-hmm but they destabilize everything or they change the, they change the nature of everything. And, uh, but ultimately, yeah, it's, I, I am a believer that eventually the, you know, the sort of, the, not the goodness in this sort of altruistic sense, but just this, the desire to, uh, to celebrate life will, is what ultimately drives us or it's just we just do so many horrible things to each other in the pursuit of that. We get so lost. But I have to feel that the, the undercurrent to all of that ultimately is is a hopeful one, you know. Hopefully we get a blank page as well and can kind of start over and figure a few well, things that's out. The, you know, that's that's the thing, you know. It's that maybe that's the sort of cautionary tale too in all this is is that so much of what happens in the world around us is sort of based on yeah. Like 
are, are, are the past playing such a huge role in the present, you know, and mm-hmm. just the inability. And I'm talking just even on personal relationship fronts, like just even in the microcosm of your own world. It's just like it governs how we live. So just maybe connecting with this idea of, of just loosening. If You can't completely cut the cords, but you can just loosen the grip that they have on you in some way mm-hmm. so that you do open your eyes a little bit wider to the future. Again, I'm saying this as somebody who has not done this necessarily. Yeah, yeah. It's just that the, the will is there and I guess the consciousness is there and the, and the desire to attempt it in some way. Yeah, I mean, again, I've already used this analogy of the wedding, but just to return back to it, like on your wedding day, you it's all about the future you're going to have kids you're going to live in here like you you think about the future but after you've been married for 20 or 30 years like you said you have yeah. this past and you sometimes dwell in the past because there might be grievances or things like that that are unresolved or you know what i mean the the future is not necessarily as bright or has the same sort of lure and potential as it did on the uh-huh. wedding day sometimes yeah i mean like even just didn't talk about it the like the there's a danger to it too, you know, and that's that those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, uh, if, if we close our eyes completely to the lessons of history, and that's definitely not what I'm suggesting here. I just think that that, you know, that's just, that's part of learning and it's part of building layer upon layer upon layer, this sort of, hopefully this push towards some kind of, uh, enlightenment, uh, uh, regardless of how long it takes so no qu- it's just sort of how entrenched in ourselves is that feeling you know and again i'm talking not talk, talk about I'm not talking about historical history i'm talking about like your personal mm-hmm. feeling about your own path your own journey what are the choices you made and how did how do they shape the way you feel about the future um because yeah if you do multiply that on a collective scale then then we have society wide problems too you know yeah so when speaking of like the future and your own journey like you got a tour coming up in february i already sound cold <laughs> like saying that because like touring in february it is cold yeah but uh do you pick a book or a couple of books to go on tour with like is that part of the like the like i guess uh weird pressure like once you go you know you're going on tour for a little bit so do you do you work and figure out what the book is going to be or a couple of books that's a lot of pressure for sure. You know, what book are you going to bring? Like this one, we're, we're bouncing around a lot. It used to be back in the day, like we'd go, we'd get on a bus and we'd go for months. Mm-hmm. We'd gone for three months, you know. We'd go tour the States, go tour around Canada. And it was just like, and when that tour ended, we'd get on another tour and go. So then you just go and you go to secondhand bookshops all the time. By the end of it, I'd have this whole, you know, little dusty library in, yeah. in my bunk kind of thing with barely any room to sleep, you know, just <laughs> to keep your mind. But now it's like, man, I got to bring one book, mm-hmm. and the one I'm reading, I got to finish the wager, you know. So I don't know if I'm going to be done by then. So that might be coming out as a freaking hardcover too. So it's oh, oh, oh. that's a that's takes a heavy up a load. lot of real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm trying not to abandon books, even if you know I'm really into this one. But if I, I don't want to abandon a book if I'm halfway through it, kind of thing. So, but it's a tough choice. But I would assume. So but I would assume coming back from a tour, you're not the same person as you left. So could you return to a book that like you're halfway through or two thirds through, and pick it up? That's and- a good. That's a good question too. You know, I mean, that depends. Is it you that you? Is it you who's getting in the way of you enjoying the book, or you just don't like the way it's 
don't like the book, don't like the way it's written. It's hard, it's a hard one to answer. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit of fresh perspective, if, you know, after a proper beat down on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, touring in February is a hard road to to go. Right? Yeah. So, well, it's it's also you know it's easier easier real estate out there. Not every band is stupid enough like we are to go on tour in February. So in Canada, so. There you go. That's the, should be the uh, the tour T-shirt. One of the slogans. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh. But it's great because you have a number of already like sold out shows, including even Buffalo, right? So. Well, again, there's but there's not that much competition in yeah. February, so, <laughs> so it's, people it's, are excited. So even though it is cold, it's a very all, str- they can all bundle together, yeah. right? And like it's knowing- a very strategic decision for sure. Mm-hmm. In terms of now, just wrapping up, like Ben Blank and the Avatar, like. Do you think it's now easier as you think about new music or start to go towards new music? Is it easier for you to be more Sam Roberts on a future album or future songs, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's a good question. It's like, do you, if you explore this idea of Avatar you know, enough, do you just eventually do away with it altogether? You know, um, I feel like it's kind of moving in that direction. I don't know, though. You know, I mean, not every record has to be this soul scrapping endeavor either you know mm-hmm. there's a there's there's room for lightness in all of it somewhere too so i never know uh until i actually start working on it and i have a hard time working on a new record until i feel like you know we've done the tour and we've given this record it's time to do its thing you know so come the summertime this year i'll start thinking about like well what, you know it's not even thinking about like what kind of record am I going to write. It's just you sit down, you grab a guitar, you turn on a keyboard or something like that, or sit down at the piano and see what comes out. And it's like, oh, this is what I'm feeling right now. Then you you chase it. Mm-hmm. Another blank page. Another blank. Another terrifying blank page. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe that should be the album title, right? So that's it. Yeah. It could just be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, we covered it. Mean, you know, my pleasure, man. It's, it's great to talk to you again. I love nerding out with you about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, in a couple of years, we'll have we'll have accumulated more nerdy stuff to, you know, new rabbit holes to dive down into. That's the plan, yeah. Maybe we even should start like a book club too, right? Because like the naval fiction sounds pretty cool. Oh yeah, my my our bass player James Hall is really into it too. So uh, we could, we've got three members already. So yeah, there we go. Okay, so let's do a <laughs> Sam Roberts book club, right? So yeah, we're, well, we're trying to get Master and Commander, you know, the next chapter made. So you know, we got to put a little pressure on. Yeah, put it out into the universe, right? And then That's see, yeah, uh, see what comes back, right? So have That's a good it. time on tour. Stay warm. Thank you, man. Thanks, Sammy. uh, Appreciate it, man. Yeah, again, just congratulations on the album. This is a really special album. I really feel like, um, just a quick tangent, but I really feel like, in a weird way, even though this is the eighth album, it's like the first time I've met Sam Roberts in certain songs or certain vibes or like certain lines. Does that make sense? That's a good way of looking at it. Oh,
Yo, that was Sam Roberts. The album is called The Adventures of Ben Blank. I'm Sammy, host of My Summer Lair. I write a weekly pop culture newsletter. Oddly, it covers many of the themes and concepts that Sam and I covered in this conversation. From music to Batman to reading fresh books to TV recommendations. Please, I implore you, sign up. MySummerLayer.com slash subscribe. MySummerLayer.com slash subscribe or Google Substack My Pal Sammy. Google Substack My Pal Sammy. You know, much of what Sam Roberts said resonated. Uh, so I write a lot, but I'm super stingy with my personal details. The topic is the focus. So if the topic is the new Sam Roberts album, I recommend it, but there's nothing there about how it makes me feel or some emotional connection to it. I'm stingy with biography. And I'm a miser with my public emotions. I freely admit all that. And I guess that is like biography and a public emotion to admit that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable. Could I commit to a personal revelation like Sam Roberts did with his Ben Blank album? I don't know the question to that. I like the way it is. But I also know that's not necessarily how the internet works or whatever i'm authentic don't get me wrong i'm not trying to be somebody i'm not but maybe i could be more <laughs> human i guess <laughs> like an android trying to i'm like data trying to figure out uh, these strange human motions it's something to contemplate as i consider the future i was grateful for this conversation with sam roberts and yeah I'm rambling now, but please don't think my pal Sammy is cold. It's warm and it's sarcastic and it's fun. And maybe that's who I am. And maybe that's enough. See for yourself. MySummerLayer.com slash subscribe or Google Substack My Pal Sammy. Thank you so, so much for listening to me in the Netflix world. Ben Blank, yo.